0: Being gone for a bit. Hope you had a great July. I think we're still uh, seeing people uh, uh, that are still on vacation mode, so hopefully we'll start trickling in. More and more will come here. But good to see everyone. I really do hope you had a fantastic July of rest. And I hope I don't preach long, uh, too long to. Make you miss your flight. So. <laughs> we'll see if you need to get up. Uh, we'll see. But um, I wanted to start by telling a few stories. It was 2014 when I remember having my first panic attack, anxiety attack. And I didn't remember it. I mean, I wouldn't have language for it at the time. I didn't know what anxiety or panic attacks were, but I was. Knew uh, a couple years into my job, we were I was on a work assignment traveling to another city. I was in DC for weeks on a time. We were trying to meet this really crazy deadline, so uh, I was um, working, you know, late into the night, early mornings, trying to uh, hit each. Uh, or we were eating all three meals at the office, and it was just I was I was just overworked. And one night after dinner, you know, I just was so panicked and. I got a phone call and it was Kelsey and we were all working in one area room together and she said, hey, could you go to the break room? I just need to talk to you. And I went to the break room and she put on speakerphone and it was our whole small group and they'd heard that I was just in, in, a, in a weird place and I was weird place emotionally and I was just away and they started praying for me, praying scripture over me, encouraging me. They started, um, yeah, just just speaking life into me. In that moment, the atmosphere of my heart and the atmosphere of the room changed. Another story, I was, it was eighth grade. I was in eighth grade. We were at a Little CC's in Franklin, Tennessee, chowing down a bunch of pizza like I do at eight, in your, your eighth grade self. And I was probably slurping some Dr. Pepper or something. And, uh, but my, one of my youth leaders um, was, uh, was taking me to sweet CC or little CCs. And uh, he just, I was involved in a uh, youth group at the or like a, a, a group at the school, in the middle school, like a Christian club. And I was trying to help lead it and speak at it occasionally. And he just pulled me aside at that CCs and said, Tim, I don't know if anyone's ever told you this. But I think you might have a shepherding gift. And you should explore that. I don't remember a single conversation in eighth grade other than that one. But I remember that one. And I don't know. I mean, maybe part of the reason why I'm here today is because Derek Morgan, a youth leader, took an eighth grade guy to CC's to tell him, Hey, I think I see something in you. You should explore that. Last story, Uh, when we were in Nashville, we, um, Kelsey had this great idea. She's had a heart for women that have been abused. And so she got involved in this organization called Thistle Farms, served these ladies that come off the street from drug addiction and prostitution and sex trafficking and incarceration, all that. And um, we were thinking like, how do we bless these women? And uh, we thought about, um, you know, the holidays in which they probably don't feel very loved. And Valentine's Day came to mind. And so we said, what if, we, what if our group of friends like throw this big banquet for them and this, this big dinner party for them? And uh, so we got, we got our friends together. That's what we did. We served them dinner. We brought in a singer-songwriter and we played. And then we ended the whole thing off with this amazing karaoke party where the women went crazy. It was awesome. Um, but the guys, we got dressed up in suits. And we escorted the ladies to their seats and served them... Uh, their their fried chicken dinner. (laughs) Uh, And I will never remember, further request, we tried to serve lasagna and like a fancy Italian meal the first time and they would love, they want a fried chicken. So, uh, but I never remember that one of that first year, uh, uh, one of the women said, um, this is the first time in my life I can remember a male serving me, just brought brought them dinner. First time in my life it's ever happened. Uh, Today we're gonna talk about the power of blessing. Power of blessing. Power of blessing really in a world filled with cursing. Um, So we're starting a new series, as Tom mentioned, in the city for the city and as we started to gather back and as we are going to um, uh, you know start meeting a little bit more often more publicly we thought what a great way to just uh, to, to launch that effort by looking outward a bit and saying how can we actually contribute to this great city um, if you've been around the century at all you know we are really focused on on three things we're hoping to uh, grow in the up, the in and the out as we say. The relationships, the upward relationship with God, the inward relationship with His church, with us, and the outward relationship with the city. In sanctuary terms, we we say uh, <laughs> we want to find sanctuary in Christ. We want to be sanctuary with each other. And we want to express sanctuary to the city. And so we are, one, one second, yeah, perfect. We are, uh, <laughs> we are, uh, I love your anticipations. It is, it is <laughs> impeccable. <Yeah. laughs> um, but today we're, uh, 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 you yeah, we're going to look at a little bit more on the outward in the series. And it's going to be super practical. So um, it, there's a book written by Dave Ferguson, I think it's just called BLESS. Um, and he lays out this acronym. Of blessing, uh, it's actually bless I know us San Franciscans were pretty sophisticated in an acronym that spells something that we're supposed to do. We might thumb our nose at it. Don't thumb your nose at it. It's as powerful. It really is. And if you're like me, you need practical steps. It's going to be it. So I'll, I'll lay out the framework for you, and then the next five weeks we're going to go through it. Bless B stands for begin with prayer. I cheated a little over there. Begin with prayer. But it's so important. We want to make sure we get our heart posture right before we go out to the city. We want to make sure we check our motives. We're not doing anything for the wrong reason. And we cover the thing in prayer. The L stands for listen. Our culture is one where we're shouting at each other, shouting past each other, right? And psychologists tell us that loving and listening are so linked together that actually when you do listening, most people uh, take it for loving. Just by listening, we can make a difference in this culture. The third week, we'll study the E, which is my favorite. (laughs) Eating. I think we can change this city by the way we eat. I really do. Um, In Scripture, if you read the Gospels, Jesus is often either coming from a meal, going to a meal, or at a meal (laughs) when he is teaching. In Scripture, it says, there's three, three verses where it says, the Son of Man came. The first two are his purpose. Son of Man came to seek and save the lost. The Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve. The third is his method. The Son of Man came Boy. eating and drinking. So we're going to talk about eating. The next week is the first S, and it's serving. And we're going to talk about how can we take and steward the gifts that God's given us and the passions that God's given us, and how can we steward that for the benefit of our City and serve our city, and the last S is story. How do we tell the story of what Jesus has done for us? Not like Rachel did today, that was awesome. Uh, so that's where we're going. But this week, so next five weeks, it's going to be breaking in there for uh, the retreat. But that's where we're going. But this week, I really wanted to actually not be as practical and lay a foundation for the whole thing, studying the biblical meaning when we talk about blessing. The biblical foundation of blessing. Um, And now you can go to the slide. I think we are much more, blessing is such kind of an old fashioned word, right? We're not really familiar with blessing. I think we're much more familiar with hashtag blessed, you know, that little humble brag on social media, i.e., look at my new beamer, hashtag blessed, you know. That's maybe what we use blessing most for. Um, Maybe I'm from the South. And, uh, bless your heart is basically another way to say you're an idiot. You know? <laughs> bless your heart. Um, maybe it's, it's, uh, you know, a couple of words you just throw in there, filler words after someone sneezes. Bless you. God bless you. Um, what is blessing? We don't really use it anymore, but I think it's so important that we understand. Yeah. A couple reasons. A- it's used in the Bible a lot. 418 times in the Old Testament, 117 in the New Testament. <laughs> That's awesome. Uh, <laughs> uh, uh, from Genesis 1, blessings there. The last chapter in Scripture, Revelation 22, blessings there everywhere in between. If we want to know what God is up to in this world, if we want to understand one of the primary themes of the biblical narrative, so when we re- jump into passage like John, or songs, or we understand what these themes mean. Uh, but secondly, and maybe more pragmatically, we live in a time when, the last that I heard is a couple years old, but 59% of millennials, that's uh, my, I, I, I count myself a millennial, I know many of us do, 59% of millennials who grew up in church, went to VBS, went to youth group have now left the church, have abandoned their faith. It's 59%. That's a couple of weeks ago, or a couple of years ago. I think that's 2018 in And I'm guessing, I mean, if you've seen this, the headlines, I'm guessing it's even worse now. Um, turn this off. Uh, sorry. Uh, I'm guessing it's even worse now. And I don't know. I mean, if I go through my mental Rolodex of friends, I mean, that matches up to my experience, and I'm guessing it does yours too and I think about why might that be the case and there's probably many reasons but I think at least one of the reasons is I don't think people are given a framing narrative that compels their life or or maybe if they even are maybe it's stated but they certainly haven't seen it modeled or haven't seen it lived Um, there's a recent article in the Atlantic a young atheist who abandoned the church was quoted and uh, she said this Christianity is something that if you really believed it, it would change your life. And you would want to change the lives of others. I haven't seen too much of that. Wow. And yet when I read the accounts of the early disciples, the early church, man, I mean these people were on fire, right? They were the ones talking about a pandemic. They were the ones that were quoted of rushing into the cities when the plagues hit. Mm. Not while well, everyone was rushing out. It, the, it, some of the kings said, they, Christians are the ones that take the plague on themselves to serve. You, you, you read the accounts of them, their, their possessions and their homes being up and going up in flames. Yeah. Them on the pole even being burned at the stake. And yet while that's happening, they're recorded giving prayers of blessing to their tormentors. There is some framing narrative, some compelling vision that has got a hold of them that I think we might have lost today. And that's what I want to talk about, the purpose that we're given to, to be a blessing, to blessed to be a blessing. Um, we'll get in here in a minute. We're going to read a famous passage from Genesis chapter 12. Before I do, just think it's only fair to uh, disclose much of this talk uh, I've taken from some great authors and uh, speakers. And particularly, uh, John Tyson gave a talk to one of our Gathering of leaders in confluence I think in 2018, 2019 um, A lot of this is borrowed from I'm going to glean a little bit from it If you want a, a deeper dive, go to that message uh, Also John Orberg and my friend Tyler Staten. But if it sounds smart, I probably didn't come up with it uh, Just a little bit of a disclaimer So you can open to Genesis 12, 1-4 through 4. It's going to be on your screen. If you've been around church for a while, like you've probably heard this passage before. If you haven't, it's a great primer because this is kind of one of the, 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 the crucial pillars of the text. So we're going to read it. I'm going to pray, and then we're going to talk about it. So I want you to not just let let the words glaze over, but as I read this, put yourself in Abram's shoes. Soon to be Abraham. Put, your, put yourself in Abram's shoes. What would you have experienced? What would you, if this happened to you, what would you... What would you feel? What do you observe from the text, maybe? doesn't Have be placing yourself in the story? What do you what stands out to you? So I want to read this. The Lord had said to Abram, Go from your country, your people, and your father's household, to the land I will show you. I will make you into a great nation, and I will bless you. I will make your name great and you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you and whoever curses you, I will curse. And all peoples on earth will be blessed through you. So Abram went as the Lord had told him, and Lot went with him. Abram was 75 years old and he set out from Haran. This is the word of the Lord. Can you all say thanks be to God? Go awesome. Let me pray and we'll dive uh, into it. Do. Father, we need your help today. It says your word does not return void. We give a parable of a sower scattering seed everywhere, and depending on the soil it falls in, it returns different yields. We pray, Father, that our hearts would be fertile soil that you would yield a great harvest from this word, Father. I don't know where we're all at. I know I need your help, Father. Just pray that all of us would receive today your profound blessing on our lives. Amen. Cool. All right, so what do you what did you notice? Anything stood out to you? There's a kind of big cost Mm. in the beginning that seems to be there. Yeah. Huge cost. Huge risk. There's a lot of promises. Tons of promises. There's no clear destination. No clear. What do you say? Go to the land, I will show you. He hasn't shown him yet. (laughs) Just go, I'll show you it. Having faith. Huge faith. <laughs> he don't know what's going on. And he's 75 years old. Yeah. Yeah. Anything else? Yeah, it is a, there's a cost to Abraham, but it's, as you said, an amazing kind of treasure trove of promises Yeah. if he has faith to step out. Yeah, there's a Abram's role to go, and then everything else. Step out in faith, there's a cost, it's risky, he hasn't shown where he's going to go yet. But everything else, God's promises. I will, I will, I will, I will, I will. I think there's six or seven I wills. Yeah. God. Yeah. This passage has been called the gospel in advance by some folks. It's referenced in the Old Testament and the New Testament life. It's, it's this theme, even if it's not directly referenced, is picked up in the New Testament. Walter Brueggemann, uh, famous, I think he's an Old Testament scholar. He's definitely a biblical scholar. Um, but he, he says this about reflecting on this passage, the purpose of the call of Abram Is to fashion an alternative community in creation gone awry. To embody in human history the power of the blessing. The power of the blessing. What is this power? What is this power of blessing? It is so critical to understand, right? It's why is it? that when we read about um, Jacob and Esau, and which one was to receive the fatherly blessing? Why is the fatherly blessing of Isaac, who's old and impoverished at this point, why is his words way more important than the words of Abimelech, the king of the world, after Jacob has already received royalty and riches, that he wants the father's blessing? Why is this thing this blessing given to Aaron and Aaron's instructed to preach it over all of wandering Israel and for every priest in the future to proclaim these words over what is this power of the blessing Kirk Kirkwood says this the Old Testament word blessing comes from the Hebrew word Barak this means to speak the intention of God and to be happy with where you are in the New Testament uses two words, makarios, which, where we get the concept of happiness, and the Greek word eulogia, from which we get the word eulogy. Eulogia means to speak larger or well of, or to speak or project the intention or favor of God on someone. Just as eulogies are tailor-made, so are blessings. When we talk about blessing someone on a practical level, we are prophetically stating, may God's full expectation for you be fulfilled in your life. And we know that God's intentions for people are good. Dietrich Bonhoeffer just puts it like this. Blessing is the visible, perceptible, effective proximity of God. I love that. It's like putting flesh and blood on God's intentions for you. It can happen over the dinner table. It can happen over coffee. It can happen by the glance of a stranger. Warm glance of a stranger at Golden Gate Park. At Crane Cove Park. Um, your boy Dallas Willard. I know you were waiting for him. Blessing is the projection of good. Onto the life of another. It's putting God's best intentions. Into another Person. It's encouraging them. It's calling something out in them. It's producing environments around them where they can flourish. It's demonstrating and embodying God's goodness and love for them. Has anyone had the experience, it's a little old-fashioned thing now, but have asking uh, your now wife's father for his blessing to take his daughter's hand in marriage? That's getting a little bit of this idea of blessing. I had that experience. Not actually. Well, I did uh, ask your dad if I could marry you, but actually, the, the, the bigger test was the first date. So I uh, wanted to date Kelsey and uh, ended up on an hour long fishing trip. Longer. Longer than that. You got proof. Uh, hours. <laughs> <laughs> first date. It was intense. I passed. So we're good. But that's a little bit of what, you know, think about that. I mean, don't we laugh about it. It's, it's, but, I mean, what an honor about it, right? Have, like, someone from the very beginning of a relationship, from the very beginning of marriage, like, put blessing into that. I mean, what if it had gone the other way, right? What if I asked uh, her dad, Kelsey's dad, for, like, blessing in marriage? He's like, eh, I don't know. I can't do that. And I, like, married Kelsey anyway, like, Thanksgiving gatherings awkward, right? Like everything from there on, there would be like a tension. In yes. <laughs> <laughs> there would be like this tension, right? And Syria Siri agrees. Um But actually, but by, by how we're seeing this blessing from the very beginning, completely different. Um, to. Bless people is to funnel all of God's goods, intentions, and purposes and channel it squarely on the back of someone else, in the life of someone else. Um, And the truth is we were made to receive blessings. If you go to Genesis 1, actually the first blessing that God gives is to fish and all the fishes and the animals over the sea in chapter 1. I mean you get the impression that actually God was like looking for things to bless and he just like created things so he could bless them. Give to us, in Genesis 1, 27, so God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created them. Male and female, he created them. God blessed them and said to them, be fruitful and increase in number. Fill the earth and subdue it. Rule over the fish and the sea and on the birds and the sky and over every living creature that moves on the ground. Right? like. God's actually here giving us a task. Hey, man, you're going to rule the world. It's going to be amazing. And he says, hey, you are very good. But actually before all that, he says, I want to bless you. Like our, our story begins, our commissioning begins first with blessing. See ya. Thanks. See you. <laughs> bless you. Bless you. Bless you. Yes. Um, our story begins with blessing God. Blesses us, and I think our soul is, crave you know is made, and we crave that blessing. Um, you felt the impact of blessing, right? Like if you, the first time you hold your child, or you hold a kid, and it's just like oh, it's beauty. Like when you get lost, to music at a concert, you know, and it's almost like there's no one around, and you're just in that moment. It's like the blessing of beauty and art in and the world. And you receive love. Unconditionally, when you don't deserve it. That's the power of the blessing. And of course, we can't talk about blessing though without also, without also talking about cursing. A little bit further in the story in Genesis, Adam and Eve, uh, we all know the story. They found themselves removed from the blessing. Satan appears to him and he just gives that subtle lie. Did, did God really say, God really send on you from the I mean isn't that how Satan comes to us today I mean God's blessed you and all you got blessing but, but what has he done for you lately come on did God really say that mm-hmm. and then we have the curse The curse is unleashed into the world to their horror they didn't find blessing when they followed the serpent they unleashed the curse John Tyson defines the curse as this Rejecting and resisting God's intentions, resulting in his disfavor and displeasure, and our dysfunction and destruction. The curse is everywhere. We feel it, right? Why do marriages that are supposed to be blessed end in ruin? Why is our work, which is supposed to be, you know, a, a gift from God? Why is it? So hard. Why do people we love hurt us? You know, I mean, the curse can come in so many different forms, just subtly than lies. Scripture talks a whole other sermon. But scripture talks about generational curses that are passed down. I'm, I've just been, even in this season recently, reminded of, or brought to attention of, of a curse that I think has been brought down. I remember a, a mentor asking me in high school if, when I grew up, I was going to be a workaholic. And I said, I hope so. No framework for even in my head that that could be a bad thing, right? Um, Two quotes above my alarm clock when I was in high school. One quote that was from Jimmy Carter, it says, I could wake up at 9 a.m. and be rested or 6 a.m. and be president. And the other one said, the world was run by tired people. (laughs) A little insight into me, right? (laughs) But even this week, I mean, I was working myself like crazy. I was in Nashville. I didn't give myself enough time to prepare for this. Yesterday, I'm like working on my sermon, and Josie like, comes up to me, Daddy, I just want to play with you. Can I play with you? You know, and it's like these these curses, these, these good things, you know, work, work, hard work is a good thing, but just slightly twisted. And you can see the even generational impacts about that. Again, a whole other sermon, but these curses get in there and they just just bend things slightly and then and then these good things become idols one way to define an idol is it's like something a good thing that you are seeking the blessing of God from but it's not God so from this point on in the genesis story in the biblical story we see these two forces playing out throughout the old testament it's so in this context, we come to the passage today, the call of Abraham. God says, I'm going to bless you. And, and through you, you're going to be a blessing to everyone, right? In a land mired by the curse. The gift of the blessing and the call to bless is given to Abraham. And it's not just given once. You see it in Genesis 18, to Genesis 22, Genesis 26, Genesis 28. But God chooses one man to funnel to be his agent of blessing to everyone to all humankind so every nation could be blessed you move through and we're going to skip a lot but Deuteronomy 28 if you want to do a fascinating study that lists lists out in the covenant staggering rewards and and promises of the blessing if if Israel uh, fulfills the covenant and then just shocking repercussions of the curse if they don't when we get to the New Testament and in uh, the life of Jesus, I think his whole life can be encapsulated in, in the word blessing, right? His very first public appearance, God blesses him before anything happens. This is my son in whom I am well pleased. <laughs> His first proclamation, that famous scene where he goes into the temple, it unrolls the scrolls and quotes from Isaiah. The spirit of the Lord is on me because he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He sent me to proclaim freedom for the prisoners and recovery of sight for the blind, to set the oppressed free, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. In other words, hey, I have come to undo the curse. I'm about to unleash some blessing on this place, right? (laughs) He starts his first sermon, the Sermon on the Mount, or the famous sermon. The sermon on the Mount. What does he start it with? The Beatitudes, a list of blessings. Blessing, blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. And it goes on. He announces the blessing on people everywhere we went. He was unleashing God's favor and defeating the curse. You have leprosy? Nope, not anymore. You got a demon? gone right everywhere he's going you're sick be healed and of course you get to the cross I know we're skipping a lot here but you get to the cross that was about blessing too reflecting on it Paul says in Galatians 3 and this is huge this is where I want to land connects back to Abraham Christ redeemed us from the curse of the law by becoming a curse for us for it is written cursed is everyone who is hung on a pole he redeemed us In order that the blessing given to Abraham might come to the Gentiles through Christ Jesus. So that by faith, we might receive the promise of the Spirit. What Jesus did on the cross. Take the whole force and weight of the curse. Took it on himself. And gave to us the full Force of the blessing And then at the end of his life. I've never noticed this until I heard this talk by, by John Tyson. Luke 24, when Jesus is ascending to heaven, I can't never notice this it says this: when he had led them out to the vicinity of Bethany, he lifted up his hands and blessed them. While, while he was blessing them, while he was blessing them, he left them and was taken up into heaven. I mean, I don't know exactly how that happened. I mean, was he like, I bless you, I bless you, I bless you, I bless you, right? Like, how, but while, like, while he was doing it, like he was blessing. That was this whole thing, right? Is that the image you have of Jesus like holding out his hands to bless us? Bless me. Jesus is, again, Jesus' ministry could be encapsulated by blessing. He, Paul takes his theme and runs with it, Ephesians 1, 3. Praise be to the God and the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ who has blessed us in the heavenly realms with every spiritual blessing in Christ. How many spiritual blessings? How many? Every? Every spiritual blessing? Is ours, isn't it? I mean, every blessing you read in Deuteronomy 28, those staggering promises, it's us. You want peace that transcends all understanding, Philippians 4, 7, it's yours. Endless treasures available in Christ, Ephesians 3, 8, it's us, we can have it. Seated in Christ in the heavenly places, seated with Christ, Ephesians 2, 6. Guess what? That's us, that's us. We get it, we get to do it, right? Joint hair of God. And we have received an eternal inheritance. Romans 8, 17. Pretty good retirement plan. We got it. Like every spiritual blessing. Hope that a sure and steadfast anchor the soul. Adopted into God's family. Get to co-reign with God as kings in the new heaven and new earth. Revelation 1, 6. Get to live with him for every, every spiritual blessing is ours. And can guess what? the thrill, and honor of our lives as we get to now distribute it lavishly. What is a philanthropist? A philanthropist is someone who has received a great treasure, and they've earned it, they've been given it. They have unlimited supply of treasure, and then they turn away, turn around and just distribute it at will to whoever they want. Unlimited supply of treasure and just give it We're like spiritual philanthropists, spiritual blessing philanthropists. We've given every spiritual blessing. And now we've got to go into San Francisco or wherever we go and like distribute that blessing. God says, I will make you a blessing. All peoples of the earth will be blessed through you. The call on our life, the call on my life, the call on your life is to take God's blessing and distribute it lavishly. There's been a, bad, a lot of bad press about the church lately. Anyone listening to the uh, Rise and Fall of Mars Hill podcast? Mm. Uh, <laughs> there's a lot of bad press and deserved. But I, want, I do want to say this. Over the last 2,000 years, the church at its best has understood this call. Let me read you a few examples I pulled out of the church. The church continues to be the single largest provider of healthcare in the world today. It's the largest single provider of education in the world Continued on today. It was Christians that drafted the first recorded declaration of universal human rights. It was the church fathers who successfully campaigned against infanticide in society. The first orphanages ever created were by churches. Christians pioneered the modern social work uh, movement. Christians created the first homes for the elderly and disabled and pioneered the modern nursing home system. Christian Quakers first championed prison reform. The braille system for the blind was invented from a motive of Christian service. It was Christians that invented the printing press. The Christian faith has inspired literature from Dante to Dante to Dostoevsky and music from Bono, from Bach to Bono. Uh, Scientists, I don't know, we'll see. Scientists from Blaise Pascal to Isaac Newton to Louis Pasteur to the contemporary founder of the Human Genome Project, even the director of the NIH, which is Dr. Fauci's boss. He's featured in Alpha. All public believers. Alcoholics Anonymous and Narcotics Anonymous, founded by Christians. Christians invented the first professional nursing training program. 100 out of the first 110 universities in the U.S. were founded by Churches. The first laws to protect children from child abuse were drafted by Christians. It was the faith of William Wilberforce that led him to advocate to abolish the slave trade in the British Empire. It was the faith of Martin Luther King Jr. that led him to advocate for civil liberties for all. Samaritan's Purse, World Vision, World Relief, the YMCA, the Red Cross, and loads of others doing international relief work. All founded by Christians, the gospel, properly understood, is the greatest force for change in the world. And again, it's not that we beat our chests and say, "Look how great we are." I could list off a long list of the way that the church has failed to. But like when you properly understand the gospel, like what God has done for us, like when we were in the curse. God rescued us and gave us a new calling and a new identity. How else could we respond, right? Paul says, for Christ's love compels us. He died for all. That those who live should no longer live for themselves, but for him who died for them and was raised again. What a powerful, powerful thing. Um... Oh, it's going to play a video. I think I'm going to skip it. Um, Acts 17.26 says, God has arranged human history. Basically, Acts 17.26 says, God has arranged human history so that he's kind of ordered the boundaries and the space in which we live so that everyone might have a chance to find That means wherever you are today, whether it's at Bitwise, whether it's at Mission Blue, wherever, God has placed you there for a reason. There is a reason. Um. (laughs) Hello. My question is, what would it look like if we took that call upon ourselves to really receive the blessing of Christ and to project the best intentions onto other people's lives. John Tyson says this, we have everything. Therefore, we are free to be scandalous with our praise and our attention and our generosity. There is an unlimited capacity in the kingdom of God for others. It's only when we live for ourselves that things begin to run out. The kingdom of heaven is rich, in the resources we distribute to others. I wanna end with just a couple of stories uh, I found of, and then, and then kind of waited way to respond, but a couple of stories I found of people, uh, that just ordinary people that have distributed God's blessing to other people. And the first is, uh, this is Linda Wilson Allen. She's a Muni bus driver, I think on the, bus 45? She was featured a few years ago on the front page of the San Francisco Chronicle for the culture that she has imparted on her bus route. Uh, she greets passengers by name. They know her. She knows who's going to board at what time. So if they're not there, she'll honk the horn twice and wait, she says 20 extra seconds just to make sure they get down there. Uh, she, the, she helps elderly like with their bags. When tourists come, she'll stop and give directions. She even noticed like tourists were putting five dollar bills into the receptacle and expecting change There was no change so she like created her own piggy bank to give change to people that didn't know what to do um, one passenger uh, it's quoted uh, she was new to town it was right before thanksgiving it didn't have anyone to spend thanksgiving with and linda invited her over to her house to have thanksgiving with her uh, she was often invited uh, to have lunch on the lunch breaks of the passengers on her, on her train, uh, and uh, often given vacation homes, you know, to use by the passengers. She developed this culture everyone knows and loves. Linda, they, they interviewed someone who would wait for other buses to pass by just so she could get on that bus. Uh, In the article, she's quoted it saying, her mood is set, or this is a quote from the article, her mood is set at 2.30 a.m. when she gets down on her knees to pray for 30 minutes. There is a lot to talk about with the Lord, says Wilson Allen, receiving the blessing and then distributing it, even on a bus route. Um, the next story, you may recognize this guy, not exactly ordinary. Bob Goff. Anyone, big Bob Goff fan? He's like the like Christian version of Walt Disney, right? Uh, but he's become, why has he become famous? It's because of this idea of whimsy, right? Everywhere he goes, he does something where he basically blesses others. And the story, one story that he tells that I love, as he was getting more and more popular, as he wrote a book that got popular and he's going to conferences and he showed up and get, the cars that would pick him up would get more lavish and more lavish. And one day he showed up at the airport to get picked up. He's going to a conference and there's this huge limo waiting for him. And he's like, oh my oh my goodness. And uh, so he goes in the limo and they've got the, you know that, that, that panel that like prevents you from talking to the driver and he goes up and knocks to it, opens the glass he's like, I just want to hear about your story. How how'd you get into driving limos? Like who, who are you? Like, you know, who are you? How many kids do you have? All this stuff. And he learned his life story and he figured out that um, he figured out that uh, um, this driver had never actually he asked him, have you ever like ridden in one of these limos? never actually been in the back of a limo and he said pull over man you gotta pull over and he makes him get out of the car he's like i can't legal reasons and bob he's a lawyer he's like i'm a lawyer don't worry about it and he makes him get in the back and he drives him all over his city just to have a vip experience of being in the back of this limo he makes these like these homemade like medals and badges just to honor and bless people and so he finally pulls up to his hotel he gets off and he puts the badge, like this medal on him and says, you're the hero. Well done. He actually puts his number at the end of his book and you can call it and he answers. <laughs> and so I did it one time. I'm like, oh, you answered. He's like, how are you? <laughs> <laughs> That's amazing. It's great. <laughs> but it's just, I mean, and I look around. There's a couple stories. I've got another picture, but i moved that story to the front. That's Derek Morgan, the guy who took me to CC's. Um, all these, you know, these, these conduits of blessing, easy you know you don't have to like be, you don't have to start the ymca you don't have to start some huge charity organization like we can do it god has placed us again He's arranged the boundaries of history so that like where we are and i look around and like even in this really small room like some of you like you should be speaking like you're way better at this than i am you're like black belts i mean i heard, just heard stories this week of like ryan like the culture that you set at jackson and polk did i get that right like people actually want to be like working with you because, like, just the culture you set. And I think of, like, what you're doing, Georgia, like, Mission Blue. And, like, going on a walk with Tom. You can't go on a walk with Tom around the neighborhood without, like, him running into someone. And, like, starting this conversation last time. It was, like, this person that had lived in the neighborhood for 30 years. And invited him over for dinner. And also, you know, that was the block before. Ran into someone who whose, like, child had run away. And Tom's over there, like, giving him his number. Or, like, getting his number. If I find the kid, I'll call you. Like, just... If you can't walk with Tom and not be like, he's this conduit of blessing. And I'm like, you know, in my tunnel vision, like just, just trying to get home. You know, that's me. Um, but I think so many people are like so black belts in this. So, but if you are like not like that, <laughs> like I am, good news, next five weeks, we're going to be super practical. I will I'm purposely like not make super pragmatic. There's more, hopefully, like laying the groundwork. How do we actually live this out? But there's one Honestly, can I just say? Actually, so I'm going long enough. But even you being here, like your presence is a blessing. Yeah. Like that's all. Who was blessed by Jackie getting coffee this morning? I was blessed, <laughs> right? Like you serving here is a blessing, and you know, and it is going to be like some work, like to get this thing up and running. We're just starting week one of like going week by week. But like even just like serving, I know it can be thankless sometimes. But getting here and welcoming people in. And like, worship George, I was blessed by the way you led this morning. Thank you, Matt. Yeah. Someone else like technical difficulties. Yes. You don't even know what we had to go through this morning to get the words on the screen. Excuse Matt's blessed us. Yes. Like, there is blo- so much blessing even in this place. But anyway, all I have to say. Last thing. Tom, you kind of hit it on the head uh, earlier. If you go back to the next slide, if you have it. Oh, yes. From blessing, not for blessing. This is... This is so important and this is really good news. We're not called because we're qualified. We're qualified because we are called. Abraham and Sarai were hopeless. It was 75 year old, she was barren. How am I gonna, how are my descendant's gonna be a blessing to everyone? And actually if you read just next in the passage, Abraham does some really wicked stuff, lets his wife get taken advantage of. He's not this perfect person. So if you're feeling like I'm not the perfect person, like I can't do you're qualified because God has called you to it. And if you go again, let me hit it. I will show you. I will make you a great nation. I will bless you. I will make you a great. Nation. This is all God doing it. We're not the blessing. Good news, pressure's off. We're not the blessing, but God is the blessing. And God's going wants to use us to be a blessing. So the only response I have today. In this meeting, and, and then hopefully through this week, is not to like try hard and like let's go out and be a blessing. To be a blessing, you must first receive it, you must first taste it. You can't give what you don't have, and you can't get what you don't receive. And so today, I just want us to actually respond by taking it in that God. Given us every spiritual blessing. We want to receive like, the blessing that God has given. Because if we don't get that, we will like go off and be like super warriors and we'll just burn out and or you know or do it at the wrong motive or, or whatever. But actually receiving and internalizing the blessing that God wants to give us. And so if George is